Mitchell Show. Glad you're here. Broadcasting live, Ironwood Golf Course. We're in Sussex, Wisconsin. Which, uh, if you look out over the uh, grandeur that it is, as we sit up here in the uh, in the upper clubhouse area, uh, a few clouds in the air, uh, but the puddles and such have pretty much dried up, which is great. And we're getting ready to hit the course just a little bit after two o'clock, so uh, two o'clock Central Time. So. Good stuff out there, and uh, thanks to Mike uh, Lehman and his staff out here. Man, they did a fantastic job getting this place together. Uh, let's do this. Let's go to our good, good buddy uh, Kevin Holden from CBS 58, who is uh, joining us uh, on the hotline. Kevin, how you been, buddy? All good, Bill. We were back in the, uh, back in the booth yesterday, and it's terrible that this is such a great thing, but, uh, you know, post-pandemic, some of these uh, old uh, conveniences are coming back. We had a buffet and we had ice cream at uh, at American Family Field in the media booth. And Shut they- your ass! Really? Yup, it's back. And we were, and so uh, if you expect the twenty pound weight gain. Drew is the unhappiest man on the planet right now. Drew ah, going. Nice, nice. Got the ice cream back. Well, if you got the ice cream back, then pretty much the world is back to where it should be, and all is right. So, I'm, except for the fact that the Brewers uh, have lost three straight, they limped into the off day. And, and Kevin, we've got Lorenzo Kane, who says he he just doesn't have answers, and you've got Christian Yelich, who is O for June. Um, what does this team need to do? I mean, they're going to get healthy. I'm not. I'm not jumping off any cliff by any stretch of the imagination. Going to get Adamus back and Hunter Renfro back, and they're they're going to start getting healthy again. Hopefully, you get uh, Woodruff back sooner rather than later. I'm, I'm not panicking yet. Are you? No, not at all. And and this year, there's a couple of reasons to to feel like there's a little more room, <clears throat> you know, in terms of of this team's long term success this year. One is the fact that. The central is as bad as it is, and there's an extra wild card team. I mean, there are there are several reasons to give the Brewers a little extra margin for error. They do have to figure it out, though, at the plate uh, long term. That's got to be a solution. And it's interesting because obviously Yelich has struggled, and that's been pretty much most of the year. But beyond that, the troubles have been finding good right-handed hitters. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon, who had the one hit Thursday and was over however long before that was the cleanup batter on Sunday. And Craig Council has been holding true to this lineup that goes left, right, left, right. Uh, yesterday, I'm looking at that lineup, and, you know, you've got Hira in the sixth spot. You've got McCutcheon in the fourth spot. You've got Tyrone Taylor in the two spot. And, and it's – I think there may come a time with a couple of these lineups where if your righties continue to struggle, maybe you abandon your left-right idea for a while and just go with your best bats in the middle of the order, at least until you get, you know, the guys like Adamas and Renfro back. Uh, you may you may have to play around with it a little bit to uh, to make this thing work, at least in the short term. So at what point, if any, and I know the analytics tell you that Christian Yelich is hitting the ball hard. He's in the, he's in the upper quarter of people that have exit velocity, and, and he's hitting it right at somebody. So I know the old adage in baseball is hit it where they ain't, and eventually it'll start to fall, but they're not. And he's over 130 at bats. What what do you do? You move him down. I mean, I know there's this whole thought of paying this guy this amount of money and being a veteran, and you can't move him down. It'll hurt his feelings and it'll dislodge the clubhouse. But at what point do you say we got to do what's best for the team? Yeah, there's going to have to come a point. It's it's maybe not right now because I think Council is is still trying to build the team. You know, I, I'd say quote properly with the idea that that his best players, his star players, are in the middle of everything, but Yelich has not been one of his best hitters, despite the analytics. 
that I mean, at, at some point it does have to change. I, I think the the counter argument that you should have someone to bat in that spot, uh, you know, if you move Yelich, that's a that's a valid counter argument. It's a it's a whole team of guys that uh, you know. Yesterday we were talking about this in in clutch situations. It seemed like whoever was at the plate was hitting 220 with five homers. Jace Peterson 225 homers. Yelich 225 homers. So it's if they're all equal. Then, then I don't think you move Yelich at all. But if you get somebody that gets super hot in the next month or two, that may be the time to insert that person in the three spot and give Yelich a little break out of that spot of the order. I, I mean, I, the one thing that, that strikes me with Yelich is the balls are hit hard, but the Yelich that was an MVP would hit those balls as line drives to the opposite field that would land in the bullpen. This time it's hard grounders to second base. And so there's there's such a thing as, you know, it's hard contact, but it's hard contact on the ground and not line drives into the air. And that's that, I think, is where he's got to make the adjustment in the, in the next, you know, what month or two, try to get below it a little bit and hit those balls up a little more. Yeah, they've talked about his launch angle for a while now. And I know that his, you know, powerless streak started when he ended up getting the kneecap injury. Uh, and, and I was saying at the beginning of the show today, Kevin, there was always the, the underlying rumors that's subterranean of, well, he was one of those guys benefiting from stealing signs and such. And I, I, it came up again this morning. It came up again over the weekend. I don't have a – it used to be show me the evidence and then I'll believe you. Now they can't show you the evidence, but I can't show you the evidence to say – Christian Yelich is just fine ever since I, that investigation went down. I, I can't tell you that he did or didn't. I don't know. I don't know if it was the kneecap. Something has been off ever since the kneecap and ever since that investigation happened. No, you're, I mean, it's, and it's probably anecdotal evidence to say it that way, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's nothing that there's nothing to attach, but nothing to not attach. Those whose minds like to wander might wander in that category. I don't know if I necessarily believe it because I don't think that that signs are the difference between 340 homers versus 220 and five homers. I think that mm-hmm. I, I think you can get all the signs you want and won't hit 300 with 40 homers with this yellage right now. I think it's I think it's physical, and I think you know again I, I'm no doctor, but uh, having experienced uh, you know injuries serious lower body injuries uh, there's a bunch of stuff that changes like when this kneecap when this happened with his kneecap as much as he wants to be the old him that spring mechanism that timing mechanism to the ball could be different mentally and you know the fraction of a second is the difference between a hit and an out in this league so that, that to me that's if it's anything it's 80 percent of it is just getting the, the the proper you know timing mechanism and driving through the ball the way he used to I'm talking with uh, Kevin Holden, CBS 58 in Milwaukee, at 321Q Kevin over there on Twitter. Uh, Craig Council's team needed this break today. I don't know necessarily that they were looking over the fence saying, okay, let's bag this one because we just want to get to Monday. But uh, this off day certainly comes at a good time. But I'll say this, Kevin, uh, you know, and I said it earlier, going 9-9 and in the 18-game stretch, 18 games, 17 days, as banged up as they are, that's the reason I can anecdotally say I have more optimism in this team than I do pessimism at this point. Give me your thoughts. Yeah, it's you know you look at tough road trips uh, during the season and tough stretches during the season, and if the team survives it and goes through it, then you feel pretty good about it. And they went to San Diego, who's a good team. They went to St. Louis, who's a good team. They they went to Chicago, not such a good team, but a, a team that can give the Brewers trouble. And and they held their own on that road trip, and then. 
you know, came back and yeah, the offense is in a funk, uh, but it's you know, nine and nine is way different than say, you know, five and thirteen. Like five and thirteen is when you start to really panic. But nine and nine with a bunch of guys out who should be coming back soon. Uh, that's not bad. I mean, that this, that Sunday game, that game yesterday, again, I, because we did this on Telemundo, I got to dig down a little bit. I'm writing down the lineup, and there are three guys on the bench for the Brewers yesterday. Urias, who's got a hurt hand and wasn't going to play. Lorenzo Cain, who is just in a full breakdown. God love him. He's, he's one of my favorite Brewers in a long time, but the, it's not there. It's not there right now. And Alex Jackson who's a catcher who's with the team because of a COVID case. Those are your three bench bats. And that's not going to be the case for 162 games, but it is a recipe to struggle if you've got an offense that's already struggling. So here's what I expect. Uh, you've got a team in Philadelphia that's coming to town. They're under 500. And after that, you go on the road for three uh, three cities. Washington, obviously a team that's in the basement in the east. You've again, then got the Mets. That's a tough uh, That's a tough road trip right there to go into New York, a team that's leading the east and uh, leading all of uh, National League and wins. That'll be a tough one. Then Cincinnati. Uh, in Cincinnati, a place where you hit traditionally well. And the last time they were there, that was when Christian Yelich actually produced. Then you come back home for St. Louis, and then you come back home uh, for the interleague series with Toronto. And we know Toronto's also vying for these. So it's not easy, but at least over the next six games, you've got what you would consider to be room to kind of get your feet churning so you get running before you ultimately face uh, a very tough New York Mets team and then get into the St. Louis and Toronto and Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh before the end of the month. It's not easy, but you've got some opportunity here to kind of get back on the right track, right? That's the truth. And, and honestly, baseball is one of those things, man. It all starts with one, right? It's it, You're talking about a hitter in a good streak. It starts with one line drive, one good at bat, and the confidence starts to come. And for the Brewers, the most important day might be today, the, the off day. I mean, they, they, can, they can take a mental break. They can get in the cage. They can work on things. Uh, I would love it. I think if you're the Brewers and you could choose to face the Phillies at any point, a week ago might have been better when Girardi was still the manager and they were in a tailspin because with this new skipper, the promotion from within, they played pretty well over the weekend. But but that's still a beatable team. And uh, and then yeah, you go you know from there on the road and have a chance to build something. But if you you know string together a win or two against Philly, that starts the uh, the momentum train going again. And there's so much talent that. The other thing about it that's different from so many other years is you can point to eight things that are going wrong with this Brewers team, and yet there they are at the top of the NL Central in June. So if a half of those things start going right, I mean, this team's, you know, a division winner and, and one of the top seeds in the National League still. So I, I don't see anything so far that's taken me off of that that point. I mean, if you get a good Yelich, you get a World Series contender. Otherwise, you still, you still got a team that's going to make a run. Real quick before I let you go, uh, we're hoping to get Willie Adamas back uh, coming up with the next series or in the weekend. So the question is, and I know a lot of people are excited about that, Willie Adamas, the energy guy, here we go. But the, but the bottom line is, even though he's got nine home runs and some big ones, he's still hitting two oh eight. So And he's got a 766 OPS because of the power numbers. I get that. But I don't think it's just because Willie Adamas comes walking through that door. Now, Hunter Renfro obviously has a much better average, and he's also giving you some power numbers. So there's some excitement there, 18 home runs between the two. But you get both of them back. I don't think Adamas necessarily is your, your energy guy. He's your fun guy, but you're, you're going to need the productivity, more productivity to go along with it, aren't you? 
You absolutely are, yeah. And and this may be the thing that, that helps a couple of other guys snap out. It's just the more quality bats you can put in your lineup, uh, the better it is for the other guys. In other words, you know, the, the guy in Washington who hits in front of Juan Soto, the guy in San Diego who hits in front of Machado, that was Jake Cronenworth, by the way, the guy that hit the three-run homer in the 10th inning. Those guys get good pitches because pitchers don't want to walk them to face the better players. So if Renfro's in a hot streak and he's fourth, Yelich might see even better pitches as the three, or Adamas might see better pitches as the two because Yelich is batting third if he starts getting hot. It's a it's a domino effect. So it's it, even if, if Adamas returns and it's energy and fun and whatever, if you get three or four bats heated up, it, there's a reason it's contagious because pitchers start adjusting and facing other batters with different pitches, and that's what gets a whole lineup going. And, again, it just starts with one, and I don't care who it is. If it's a Thomas, if it's Renfro, if it's Pablo Reyes, find a way, man. Just get me somebody, and then it should work from there. Get a few base hits, no doubt. Good stuff, buddy. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it. All right, pal. There you go. Kevin Holden, CBS 58, joining us for a couple of minutes on the hotline. And uh, at 321QKevin, 321QKevin, you can find him over there on uh, on Twitter and uh, track him down. And, and, Ryan, you're right. Nobody right now is afraid of anybody in this Brewers lineup. Uh, you, I mean, you don't want to make a bad pitch to uh, to Adamas or, or Hunter Renfro. I mean, where you're going to leave it out over the plate and they're going to park it because they can give you power numbers. But as far as guys hitting consistently, no. I 100% agree with you, man. No doubt about it. Uh, 877-867-1670, this portion of the program, brought to you by our good friends at uh, Growth Law Firm, who is a big part of our motorcycle ride uh, this uh, this year. And, uh, by the way, if you are following over on the Bud Light live stream, you can see and, and get signed up if you choose to do so. See uh, the flyer for the motorcycle ride. And in addition to that, uh, you can also just scan the QR code. That'll take you right to the registration page. This promises to be our biggest and best yet. So many great details. Please follow the ride and all the details. Go to Facebook.com slash Big Unit Poker Run, and we will give you all the details coming up here later this week for sure. Promise you, because it's going to be great. And it's a whole laundry list of great things that are coming up. Thanks to our friends at Growth Law Firm. Thanks to the Rock Complex, Alpine Valley, uh, Knucklehead as well. Thanks to Potawatomi Hotel Casino. Uh, they're supplying our dealers, our volunteers at the end. And they've been a great, great supporter of veterans. They really they came to us and wanted to be a part of this. So thanks to Potawatomi Hotel Casino. And also a new one that came on board, a Great Lakes Dragway. Great Lakes Dragway, you want to race your car and get a bunch of friends together, head down there in the quarter-mile track, there you have it. Uh, Great Lakes Dragway right in Union Grove, Wisconsin. Go to greatlakesdragway.com. That's greatlakesdragway.com and see all that they have to offer, not to mention our great friends from Wisconsin, Harley-Davidson, uh, who had a, a be- beautiful weekend of rides out there and coming up a couple of weekends from now they have another one and our friends at Bud Light as well. Stay tuned. We are going to talk some Packers. Mike Clemens. Our guy on the ground, he's going to join us coming up next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. Bill Michael Show. We uh, continue on. Glad you are with us today. And we Always are glad you're here. Our friends at the Four Seasons Island Resort want to remind you that if you decide to go up there, which is a great place on the island, uh, if you're going to head up and make sure you go to their website or you call Barb or you call the front desk and you say Bill Michaels 15, 
Bill Michaels 15. They will give you a discount. Bill Michaels 15. They will give you a discount. Fantastic. They got room rates. They got group rates. They got corporate stuff going on. But make sure you use Bill Michaels 15 and you will get yourself a discount. I promise you a great discount. Bill Michaels 15. Again, for the Four Seasons Wisconsin. Dot com the four seasons wisconsin.com but use the promo code bill michaels 15 and get it that's the way to go uh let's bring him in now our good buddy uh, mike clemens is joining us uh, on the hotline and uh, we get ready for the mandatory mini camp as uh yeah well you know we're expecting aaron Rodgers to be there and michael how you been buddy good uh, there is a report today that aaron did report today to me it's news if he didn't report i expected him to be there uh, mm-hmm. I've tried to think of an analogy in the last week because when I'm standing out here at these OTAs and you see Aaron Jones out there taking all these snaps, you see A.J. Dillon out there taking snaps, you see other veterans, you know, Adrian Amos, the safety uh, on the other side, out there taking these snaps. You know, where is Alan Lazard? I mean, this guy, and he hasn't, still, we still haven't heard if he signed his tender, but he, he did go on a national interview and say he's looking forward to coming back to Green Bay. And as for Aaron Rodgers, so the only thing I could think of is this. If you're, if you're in high school and you're coming back for your senior year and you got a 3.5, 3.6 grade point average, and just before finals at the end of your junior year, your teachers say, hey, listen, we're going to have some free seminars this summer to give you a little preview of what you're going to have in the fall of your senior year just in case you, know, you want to get ahead. Are you really going into school for that? If, if, it's not, if you're not getting credits... If it does, it's not really required, how much are you? How much are you going to do that? So I guess right. to some of these players, like a Sammy Watkins, who we haven't met yet, he came in earlier to sign his paperwork and was here for one day, the day that Rogers was here. Uh, we're going to want to get to know him, and what was his story? He got off to a good start with the Ravens, then his numbers dropped off, then he got injured in October, and he ended up having like the worst season of his eight-year career last year in Baltimore. Uh, where's his head at? So we'll, t- we'll be talking about that. And then we need to talk about tight end. I've talked to you about that situation because you see Robert Tunyon on the sidelines with David Bogdiari as those guys are coming back from their torn ACLs. But, you know, you know that Tunyon's not going to be a, a pass-catching tight end for you for the opener against the Vikings. You probably really missed him in that playoff game against the 49ers. So, you know, Mercedes Lewis is coming back again, mostly a blocking uh, tight end and a veteran. So you've got Josiah DeGora coming back now into his third season. And then this Tyler Davis that they picked up from the Colts. Uh, you know, and there's other guys like, you know, Dominic Daphne. So this was a clip that Gutekunst told us, which basically what he saw on his depth chart heading into camp this summer. You know, I'm pretty excited about it. Obviously, Josiah kind of was coming off an injury and really towards the end of the season kind of came on, and we're excited about where he's headed. Uh, TD, uh, Tyler Davis, you know, we, we picked up early in the year and, and as his opportunities grew, not only in, in the games but in practice, I think we really think we might have something there. So I'm excited about that to add to the big dog. And then whenever Bobby's ready, I mean, we kind of know what we have there. So I like the group, um, but... Uh, you know, and we wouldn't have not addressed it if it came to us in the draft, but the, it just didn't fall that way. Okay. I mean, I, I get it. Um, 
no doubt. Uh, I, I, I guess, Mike, what I'm kind of thinking about here is when you talk about to the wide receivers and Sammy Watkins and same page and uh, the young guys and Christian Watson and all that stuff, uh, to me it's all about getting on the same page. And then I get questioned every day, I'm sure you do too, about whether or not they're going to bring in another veteran wide receiver, who's going to be available. I, I don't know. I, I mean, they're gonna, I think they're going to go into the season with what they have. Maybe they make a move along the way, but it's going to be imperative upon the guys that are there to get up to speed, get on the same page and get with Aaron Rodgers and make this thing go. I've only been around Sammy Watkins once, and that's the Super Bowl that you and I covered in Miami when the Chiefs beat the 49ers, and that was mm-hmm. you know, post-game. And, you know, he's he's a nice, approachable, positive attitude guy, uh, but, you know, he's not a big talker. So we'll just see, get a, a little bit sense of what his football IQ is at at this point in his career. Um, you know, how hungry is this, even though he decide to skip the OTAs, or at least the ones that we've been allowed to see. And, you know, how much of the speed is still there? And we talked to Jason Vrabel, the wide receivers coach. By the way, Jason Vrabel's assistant at wide receiver for the last couple of years under a fellowship was Ravel Martin. Remember the old Packers receiver? Right, right. And I've been looking at these OTAs, and I I couldn't see Ravel because I was really close to him as a player. Um, He was really fun to be around. He was good friends with Rodgers. And I asked around, and it's like, you know what? Ravel came back for two years under the fellowship, so you get kind of paid minimum. And I think he saw what The Rock was cooking, you know, with the Rogers situation, Devontae leaving, and he's going back into real estate in North Carolina. So he's not there <laughs> for the coaching okay. staff. Yeah, I, I thought that was interesting. But you asked the wide receiver coach, Jason Vrabel, who was with the Bills when they drafted Sammy Watkins, on what's it like to bring in Watkins now at this point of his career? What's funny is, you know, he's been a free agent a couple of times now. So I've wrote up Sammy for the reports, you know, with Goody and those guys and told him, I'm like, I've been with Sammy. I know how he can catch. I know how strong he is. A lot of the good things he can do. You know, I said I was with him for that time. But that day, no, I didn't. It was literally within like 36 hours. Where then they talked to me and they were like, you know, they were like, Braves, you know, you've been with him. And they knew that I liked him before because they saw my write-ups on him and free agency. And um, they said, he's coming in for dinner. So I called him right away and I said, hey, you didn't even like call me. He's like, no, it just got booked like right now. So we went out to dinner, you know, we, we broke some bread. We got to talk, catch up, you know, hear about his three kids and, you know, just good old times, you know, and just see where he's been. And his maturity has is, is just been exceptional. Um, you know, he was just a young rookie before and now he's a grown man with a family and just living life the right way and you know trying to do as much as he can to get back and get another Lombardi which he's one of the few guys you know that has held one up you know that I've been around so that's kind of his goal and uh like I said Sammy's just smiling he's happy to be in a building you know where he feels a good fit right now so I did not know but I'm fired up he's here um Mike you know I'm glad Sammy Watkins is looking at it as another chance to you know kind of gain prominence and such and kind of uh, re-resuscitate his career, if you will. Uh, the, the guy, it was kind of surprising, though, to find out that Devontae Adams wanted out, and it wasn't just this particular offseason that he wanted out, you know? Yeah, and I, I know you talked about this on the show last week, just saying, hey, you know, there's word now that Devontae Adams was close to getting traded from the Packers. He wanted out of Green Bay t- as much as two years ago. And then you start thinking, well, is that because – Maybe when LaFleur was coming in or they they drafted Jordan Love that he smelled rebuild and he wanted to get out of town. And I always knew 
that Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers weren't best friends. They were great teammates together. And you think of all those numbers that Rodgers, you know, packed on for Devontae to help him get his contract. And, and Rodgers' own numbers himself, uh, they helped each other get paid last year. But um, it just seems like I wonder how surprised Rodgers was that Devontae left the Packers to go back to his old buddy, uh, Derek Carr, who they went to Fresno State with. And so David Carr, the older brother who used to play for the analyst for the NFL Network, he explained that Devontae Adams has been trying to get to the Raiders much longer than that. It's been something that they've, they've tried to make happen for five years now since Devontae signed his contract extension several years ago with the Packers. He, Derek was pushing to get him there, and, and Devontae was really close, man. I mean, that a couple years ago, they were really close to making that happen. And so for it to actually happen, I remember I was, sitting on, I was actually sitting on set at the NFL Network when it, when it went through with James Jones, and James was obviously sad because he's a Packer. Right. But he, uh, it, was, it was almost surreal because, that, like you said, it, it never really happens that you, you absolutely get to pull off something like this. So why, why does your brother and Devontae Adams vibe so well, do you think? I think that from the moment that they got together in Fresno, it was a unique situation because Devontae, Devontae came to Fresno and visited there and basically signed with Fresno State because of Derek. And so from the moment that they met on his recruiting trip, they, they hit it off. They just have a unique bond, and they're best friends. And Devontae, even before they made the move to Vegas, first of all, in the Bay Area, he bought a house right next to Derek. They worked out in the offseason. They trained together, even when Devontae was in Green Bay. Same thing. Derek moves to Vegas. Devontae moves to Vegas. And this was about a month before the whole thing went down where he joined up. So they just had a unique bond. But then there's like this this different level that these guys have always had. And I, I asked you, I asked Derek after their first workout, um, as official teammates again in Las Vegas. He's driving back home, and they're both in the car together. I, I they FaceTimed, and so I said, yeah, "How'd it go?" And Derek's like, "It's every ball is six inches in front of his chest. Every receiver that Derek has ever talked to me about, he, he's compared to Devonte Adams." So they've been wanting to play together for quite some time, and Carr obviously has an incredible respect for Devontae Adams. And meanwhile, when you talk about quarterbacks and placing the ball right there where it's supposed to be, uh, you've got Jordan Love. And uh, the the curious comment came from A.J. Dillon, Mike, last week, uh, saying that, you know, well, he's got a swagger back. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. What, what made him lose his swagger? And we can all assume that it was Kansas City or the uh, getting a lot of the reps, uh, you know, as a starter from week nine on and not playing well in the second half of that Detroit game. And maybe it knocked him down a little bit. But to hear somebody say that he got it back means that he lost it, right? Well, or how much did it affect him in that loss when he finally got under the spotlight, when you know, Rodgers had tested positive for COVID. Now they got to change the game plan on Wednesday. They really didn't give Jordan Love the right kind of game. They pretty much stuck with Aaron Rodgers' game plan, rather maybe run the ball more, which really would have helped out Love. And I think LaFleur pretty much admitted that. But there's a divide in that locker room, Bill, between the Rodgers guys and then the guys under 25 that are just waiting for the new era, you know, where they mm-hmm. think things will be different. And and this is what A.J. Dillon had to say about, do you think Jordan Love's confidence is back after taking one on the chin uh, in prime time against the Chiefs? I don't know about losing, Mojo. I just, no, think, it's, I just think it was more his first ever game. Yeah. You know, it's scary. I was bricks when I got out there for the first time. <laughs> I was 
race the first whole, the whole season my right. rookie year. So, uh, I mean, it's just part of the game. And so that's why I'm happy. Like, you know, get those bad throws out now. Go, go build the confidence, you know, figure out how to bounce back. And so everybody's still working on whether you're first game or your 10th year. Everybody's working on how you can bounce back the quickest. And so that's part of being a pro. And I'm excited for him. Interesting comment. Let's do this. We'll hear more from A.J. Dillon when we come back. Mike Clemens joining us on hold, our uh, Green and Gold insider, and we got a lot more coming up. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live at Ironwood Golf Course here in Sussex, Wisconsin. It is the Tobacco Outlet Plus Grocery and Quick Trip Cigar Outing today, and it's our first cigar dinner of the night uh, of the season. So uh, we're going to be back. Coming up, a lot more right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. program we are glad you're with us hey our friends at boondocks barbecue and brew they got a big ride coming up as well it's in a couple of weeks as a matter of fact and uh they're going to be leaving wisconsin harley davidson it's on saturday the 18th saturday the 18th and they're also riding for uh, what they call the uh, the outdoor heroes uh our friends from the military and such and uh, they're asking you to come along. It's going to start at Wisconsin Harley Davidson. They've got a great ride planned. Then after the fact, breaking cadence, uh, the band is going to play over at Boondocks. They've got a big barbecue dinner and such planned. But all the funds are going to be raised in honor of our veterans. So if you uh, can make it, uh, it's coming up on Saturday the 18th. Uh, all the details go to Boondocks Barbecue and Brews. And uh, you can find all the information there. Just look for Boondocks over on Facebook, and you can see the uh, the post about it. But really, really good stuff, and uh, help, help Tom and everybody out there support our veterans the way they should be. Uh, Mike Clemens joining us on the line. And so, Mike, uh, we heard from by A.J. Way, Dillon. Nice talk- job. Yeah. Hey, by the way, nice job on the weekend on the ride that you and your listeners did for all my friends, the kids with autism, and for the veterans, uh, what was that, Hogs for Heroes or something? Mm-hmm, yeah. I, I mowed the lawn and watched football. That's all I got done this weekend. <laughs> yeah, that's but that's uh, that's huge uh, because uh, you're, you're the man when it comes to that stuff for us. And so the next question, we, we heard A.J. Dillon talk about the mojo or lack thereof of Jordan Love. Now he starts uh, discussing special teams, another area of sore contention after last season. So you see the new special teams coach out there during these OTAs, Rich Bisaccia, the guy that they picked up from the Raiders, who Mike Mayak, the former GM out in Vegas, says, if I was still GM, Rich would, would have been my head coach to replace Gruden. He'd still be a head coach. And he's out there with tennis balls, uh, throwing tennis balls at guys for quick reaction. And when he came into his first press conference in Green Bay a few weeks ago, one of the reporters just kind of teased him with him like, Oh, hey, coach, I'm sorry I forgot to bring tennis balls to the press conference. And he said, is that a question? (laughs) You know, he's a serious dude. He's a serious dude. And Aaron Jones is out there, like, returning kicks. I mean, they're looking at everybody. So now here's a question, though. It gets to the age-old question, do you put starters on special teams? Because in that playoff loss to the 49ers, you had A.J. Dillon line up there on the kick team. He fractured a rib and couldn't play, you know, in the, in the crunch time in the fourth quarter to carry the ball for you. Uh, so A.J. Dillon was asked the other day, you suffered that broken rib on the kick return versus the 49ers. 
How does that make you feel about the team using starters on special teams? Hey, it's football. He can get hurt doing anything, you know, and uh, I see people not playing football getting hurt walking to the walking to the mailbox. So that's just life. That's just the way it goes. But um, like I've always said, I'm capable and willing to do anything to help the team uh, win. So if it's special teams that they want me to kick, I can't throw. That's one thing I won't be doing. But, you know, whatever they need me to do, uh, I'm ready, able to do it. And that's, you know, what we have here. we got a lot of guys that are capable and good teammates and willing to work. Well, Mike, they, they spent money on a special teams coach, so you know they're going to do anything and everything they can to provide him with enough personnel to be able to play the way he wants to play. So I expect special teams just just merely from osmosis to get better just because scheme will be better. So Basachi is going to be, even though all eyes are upon that unit, uh, you know, he's the way he acts, the way he works, the way he, you know, manipulates guys, uses guys, things like that, that's all going to come into play, and we're going to have a big kind of a microscope on him. Yeah, and when LaFleur replaced McCarthy and was hiring a new staff, he wanted a higher, higher caliber, a more experienced special teams coordinator, and the sense you got was that Mark Murphy, Russ Ball, they weren't giving him the budget to work with to get the top picks, or they couldn't lure guys away from markets like the New Orleans Saints or Cowboys or, you know, other teams in the league. So uh, so now when you have plays like, you know, uh, Aaron Jones uh, getting wide open down the right-hand side of the field in a, like a 75-yard gain against the 49ers, and then the drive stops because Mason Crosby gets his field goal attempt blocked by the 49ers or the godforsaken blocked punt that they scored a touchdown on, you bring in Rich Basaccia, who when you talk to the – his players with the Raiders, they describe him as kind of a tough love coach. So we asked the new special teams coordinator, Rich Bisaccia, how does he describe himself? You know, the people describe me in a lot of ways. You know, I mean, you haven't talked to my kids yet. So when I get on the field, they got a jersey number on. They're accountable to the guy next to them. They're accountable to their job. When they come in my office, and then they got a name. You know, now we can talk about football. We can talk about anything you want to talk about. But when they get on the field, they have a job to do. They're accountable to the guy next to them, in front of them, behind them, and so on. And in our one-play mentality, you can look around, and there's, there's a lot of plays that devastate your game. There's a lot of plays that propel your offense or your defense in the game. So I think once we can all understand the one-play mentality, um, what we're trying to get across to them, how they can affect the game positively and negatively, um, I think maybe we'll start to accomplish something here. Well, they've got a new punter uh, who's going to affect the game on a couple of different plays, obviously punting the football, but then also as the new holder through the process for Mason Crosby, and Bajorquez obviously had trouble getting the uh, the laces straight, So, and he wasn't as consistent as they like him to be, so they removed him, and now you got a new guy doing all of those, Mike. Right. You drafted J.K. Scott, had a hell of a leg come on out of Alabama, then got to be inconsistent. At times was frankly just kind of flaky, you know, and then the one time where he, he couldn't he couldn't show up when they needed him in a hot preseason game up in Buffalo against the Bills because he had leg cramps. I mean, he wasn't ready. He wasn't warmed up. Uh, so then they replace him in the season with Corey Bohorquez, who's got just a, a rocket for a leg, a cannon, a left-handed, left-footed kicker, but started to trail off in December, and just never quite got in sync with Mason Crosby, apparently, as a holder. Now, J.K. Scott went to the Jaguars, and at last I saw he got signed by the Chargers, so he's competing for a job there. But Orquez 
got picked up by the Browns. Instead, Green Bay went with Pat O'Donnell, veteran, 31 years old, spent the last five, six years with the Bears. So it's a guy that they saw a lot, and he just seems to be more mature, more heady. And so we asked him about uh, his role as a punter, as a placeholder, uh, and why he came to Green Bay. This is Pat O'Donnell, the new punter. I think it's just managing the game, right? Just squeezing out the 40, 45, maybe hit the 50 when you can. Sometimes you're going into the wind. Sometimes you're going with it. But I think it's all about managing it. I take a lot of pride in holding just like I do punting, and that's half of it for me. Being on the field, holding for field goals, and we got to put points on the board. So uh, I've been fortunate to have a lot of good kickers that I've worked with in the past. And having a veteran like Mason, I think we're going to hit the ground running. And uh, I think it's important to like me to be the caddy. You know, we kind of bounce ideas off each other, how the wind's playing, how he likes the ball held and leaned. Yeah, I had some of those opportunities in free agency, but I mean, when the franchise like this comes calling, you definitely want to play for an organization that has such a rich history here and playing for Basaccia, that was a huge component, and also playing with Mason Crosby. I've also obviously had a lot of games with him that I've admired him from afar, and just to see what he's done for so long, like having an opportunity to play with him was a huge factor. Well, Mason, first of all, has got to be happy where he's got somebody that at least seemingly is a little bit more dependable, Mike, by the time this thing's all said and done. I mean, obviously, after the year he had, he never came out and pointed fingers, but there were times we could clearly see replay-wise that <laughs> Bohorquez just never got it right. So he's just looking for a guy to come in and just do it right. Right. And Mason, uh, they've got one other kicker. They they released this J.J. Molson, who kind of competed for Mason or was, was ready if needed, if Mason got ready from the practice squad. Uh, so Mason comes into this year. He turns 38 in September. You know, uh, Goodkins pretty much came right out and said, we think that this is still a Super Bowl team, and we're not going to change kickers now. So that's why pretty much the spirit that Mason Crosby's here. Then you talk to Mason Crosby in the exit interviews, and he's like, look, the hold is not consistent. And when they find out Rich Versace is coming in, Versace, by the way, he's been in contact with Pat O'Donnell over the years. He's wanted Pat O'Donnell as well. So now you get these three guys together. Pat O'Donnell's your punter, your holder. Versace's your special teams coordinator who can block up this thing and protect Mason. Mason is so happy that when O'Donnell came to Green Bay, and it's hard finding a house right now. There's just, right. you know, it's a, it's a seller's market. He had Pat and his kids and wife sleep in the Mason Crosby basement until they could find a house. And so Crosby talked about what he likes about Pat O'Donnell over J.K. Scott or Corey Bohorquez. Well, Pat, Pat's just a, a very detailed guy, and he works really hard. And uh, you know, so just uh, you know, speaking on him, just um, you know, watching his craft and how he, he operates punting and holding is, uh, you know, is, is really awesome. So, um, yeah, feel good with him. Obviously, like we were joking, having him live in my basement for uh, you know, a couple weeks and just getting to know him, I think relationally that, uh, you know, that really kind of got us off uh, you know, on a good start where uh, you know, we kind of learned each other's personalities and how we operate together. And, you know, for me, relationships, and all those things, uh, you know, are just imp as important as having it exactly right all the time because we can talk and trust each other and make sure that it's uh, it's right, you know, whenever that time comes and we need it. So, Mike, uh, tomorrow it all gets real because we're going to find out who is and isn't there, and obviously Rogers reporting, and that's not really big news other than the fact that it's just Aaron Rodgers. But what do we expect to find out through this mandatory mini camp, if anything? Just, you know, see where Aaron Rodgers' head is at. Get a feel for where Sammy Watkins, uh, you know, see that the Alan Lazard thing is locked up and that they move forward with that. Um, and, you know, and Jair, we really haven't had a chance to talk to Jair Alexander. 
Uh, he had a couple, like eight snaps in the games against the 49ers. And then it's the other guys just getting back into town. I mean, and Matt LaFleur and Joe Barry, they're getting back into town because Friday afternoon they got on a plane, not a private jet, a commercial plane from Green Bay to Detroit to LAX. They went to Sean McVay's wedding. McVay, the Rams head coach, I mean, what a year this guy's having. Just 35 years old, wins a Super Bowl, marries this beautiful model, Veronica Chrome, at the Beverly Hills Hotel. Remember, we drove past that in L.A. Right, right. And, uh, and, and McVay invited all of his old assistants. Half these guys are head coaches. Even Kevin O'Connell, the new head coach of the Vikings, is sitting there at a table eating dinner with LaFleur. And these guys are going to face each other in the opener. But, yeah, him and Joe Barry uh, went to McVeigh's wedding over the weekend. The wedding cake was the Lombardi trophy. How, how sweet is that? Is that right? It made, made wow. it look just like a Lombardi trophy, yeah. Nice. Nice. Well, I tell you what, it's going to be an interesting week, and at least it gives us something to kind of talk about a little bit. But uh, let's just hope that uh, everything comes positive out of this thing and we don't hear the negativity munch like we had last year with Aaron Rodgers and such, and hopefully things are just smooth and very quiet for uh, for the Green Bay Packers. Less drama, more football. I'm, in, I'm all for it. There you go. I'm all for it. Mike, great stuff. We'll look forward to talking to you throughout the week. Thank you, Billy. All right, buddy. Mike's presence is brought to you by our friends at the Bay Motel Green Bay. Bay Motel, quiet, cozy, comfortable, fantastic place to stay. Kind of one of those unsung type of places. And the Bay Family Restaurant, uh, they got it going on, too. Uh, Really, really fun place. Uh, Good food. I'm telling you what, a lot of people over the years have eaten there. Chili and such. The chili's always spectacular. I know Mike likes it. Stop in. BayMotelGreenBay.com. That is BayMotel. GreenBay.com. We will wrap it up uh, from out here at Ironwood Golf Course in Sussex, Wisconsin. That is coming up next on the Bill Michael Show. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Only a few minutes to go before we get out of here. I want to say thanks to our friends from Pindell, P I N D pindell.com pindell.com great manufacturing and machining company right here in the state of wisconsin if you're looking for somebody to work with as a company great people if you're looking to work for and find yourself a career not just a job but a career you can be trained and they can help you with your own business and such as well down the road but uh, pindell go to p-i-n-d-e-l pindell.com that is pindell Com. We'll talk a little bit more about this tomorrow, but uh, Pro Football Focus came out with all the analytics uh, just a little while ago. And they said the true contenders for a Super Bowl are this year in order. Number one, the Buffalo Bills. Number two, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They said until we see evidence of uh, Tom Brady's decline, you can't believe it. Three, the Rams, the defending Super Bowl champions. Four, the Chiefs, with the rest of the NFL contenders in an arms race, the Chiefs choose to uh, trade away Tariq Hill and stick with the uh, the great arm that is Patrick Mahomes. The Chargers. Few teams were as aggressive this offseason as the Chargers, who seemed determined to capitalize on the talent that they have in Justin Herbert, a quarterback. And then you get to the could-be-their-year. Not the teams that are true contenders, but could be their year. At number six comes the Green Bay Packers. They said, sure, when the Packers have Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, they're a contender. 
but they have had problems against the best teams deep into the postseason, and that was with Devontae Adams. Losing him, replacing him with Sammy Watkins and a pair of rookies, Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs, they don't know if they're true contenders anymore. Could be, maybe, got to wait and see how they produce. It is Green Bay, Denver with Russell Wilson, Cincinnati with, obviously, uh, Joe Burrow, San Francisco, and then the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens. After that, it comes to the just getting the eyes on the playoffs, and that's where you find the Dallas Cowboys and then Philadelphia Eagles and Cardinals and such. But the Packers are not in the, yeah, they're true contender locks. The Packers are in the group of could be, maybe, not sure. Got to wait and see how the wide receivers pan out. So there you go. We'll talk more about this coming up tomorrow on the program. But Pro Football Focus, just putting that out a little while ago, I just thought it was rather interesting following that up with our conversation with Mike Clemens. So uh, that'll do it for today. Hey, thanks to the staff and management out here at uh, Ironwood Golf Course. Mike Lehman is absolutely the best. I uh, love that guy to death. And it's kind of like my home course, but it's uh, I play out here because of Mike. And, and it's a beautiful course. So if you ever get a chance, it's in Sussex, Wisconsin, three holes or three uh, par- courses of nine, and it gives you every piece of challenge, whether it's uh, the rolling hills of an Irish link style course or or just uh, precision play, whatever it happens to be, it can give it to you. Great place out here. So until we talk again tomorrow, time for us to go. Have a great one. See you. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.